Good morning, everyone. We're so thankful you could join us this morning. It may seem a little early, seeing as how it's not till the end of this week. But on the news, on social media, almost everywhere you look, there's recently been a lot of talk about freedom. The freedom of choice we have. Different kinds of freedoms. The freedom to express ourselves. The freedom to be who we want to be. And in fact, at the end of this week, we will celebrate our nation's freedom with the 4th of July. And I remind it out of all this discussion of freedom, what led to the forming of our nation? What caused our forefathers to come forth to this new land? When they originally came to the Americas, what they were looking for was the freedom to worship God. They were looking for a religious freedom. And so, with that in mind, we set our theme for this month. Of whom the sun sets free is free indeed. With the understanding that how amazing is it that we are free, that our chains are gone. that once kept us slaves to sin, the shackles of sin and shame have been removed, can be removed by the power of the blood of the Lamb. Now when our founding fathers first sought this land, we said it was because they wanted to be free to what? To worship God. They wanted the right to life, to liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And freedom has been something that America as a country has always dwelt on. It's one of the most treasured things that we have. We thank God often for our freedom. As Americans, we even treasure it. Many people, our family, our friends, have willingly risked and even lost their lives in order to gain and to preserve our freedoms. Now, when we were looking at men of belief, we looked a lot at the Israelites. We talked some about their experience that they had had in Egypt. They spent years in slavery, in captivity. First in Egypt and later in Babylon. And they came to rejoice in their freedom 
They had a holiday called the year of Jubilee. On that particular year, which occurred every 50 years, debts were canceled, slaves were free, and land that may have been repossessed or sold because of financial difficulties or whatever had even been returned to the original landowners. So could you imagine the anticipation of looking forward to an event like that where your debts were canceled, where all was forgiven, and what was once lost was restored? It was a time of celebration of freedom. Now, for us though, as Christians, and we read that scripture in John chapter 8, we don't have to wait every 50 years for that holiday to roll around. We are free in Christ. But if I were to ask you what freedom in Christ means, how many of you would think you know well enough what it is to be able to explain it to somebody else? I mean, we know what it means in our hearts, but do we know what it means to be able to share that freedom with somebody else? To help free somebody else? There's much depth behind the meaning of being free in Christ. You read that verse in the sunsets, free is free indeed. Or even that the truth shall set you free. And it's so much more than never telling a lie or confessing a lie. And so that's what we're going to look at today. In the case of freedom for our nation, people have fought and died in order to guarantee a freedom from tyranny, oppression, persecution. People have devoted their lives to fight for the cause of freedom for particular causes. We sing patriotic songs proclaiming our freedom as Americans. So then, if we're so excited about that, how much more excited should we be that we've been free from sin, from the devil, these shackles that weighed us down have been broken. Our chains are gone. The freedom that we have in Christ is one of the greatest blessings in our lives. And so today, what I would like for us to do is be able to understand what that really means. We're going to look at what that freedom isn't. We're going to look at what that freedom is. And then finally... We're going to talk about how we can even get that freedom and make sure that we can truly say that the Son has set us free and we are free indeed. So, we looked at our scripture in John chapter 8, starting with verse 31. Let's look there again. John chapter 8, starting with verse 31. To the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, 
We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who is sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son. A son belongs to that family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So, we will be free indeed, but what exactly is that freedom? Well, before we start about what exactly that freedom is, let's talk a little about what that freedom isn't. Now, that freedom, being set free in Christ, is not a license to continue to live in sin. You know, it's not a license to do whatever you want. Galatians 5.13 says this. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. In other words, indulge in flesh means don't use that freedom to continue to live a lifestyle of sin, to continue to do wrong, to continue to do things you know are displeasing to the Lord. I mean, if you don't know what those things are, they're found in his word. He outlines them several times. And we've been giving that freedom from the sin that would hold us back so that we can be in a relationship with God to love him, to serve him, to love one another. But that freedom is to set us free. Not for us to willingly shackle ourselves all over again. I mean, it's like we're holding... You ever seen those old shackles in the movies where they would have that wrist cuff and that giant ball that looked like a cannonball? It's like when we continue to live in a life of sin that we've been free, that shackle is loose. But instead of letting it drop where it lay, we continue to pick up that chain and carry it behind us. Because we're unwilling to let it go. The freedom is not a permission to continue to live in sin. People talk about freedom of speech and of religion and of the freedom to be who they want to be and to do what you want to do. We have many that if, we're told, if we told them that as a Christian are subject to Christ and to certain commands, that they would have to follow these commands, they would go, well, where's the freedom in that, right? We think that freedom is the lack of any constraint or rules. But 
To think of it that way with God's world is ridiculous when we think of the fact that we live in America, which is called a free nation. And yet we have rules and guidelines to follow. That if we break the law, we still get in trouble and there's still consequences to face, right? And so if we can understand that when it comes to government control and God is the governor of all things, who is in control of all things, then it shouldn't be that hard to make that connecting that just because we have guidelines, there's rules to follow, doesn't mean that we aren't free. And as Christians, when we're free, we need to be careful that of exercising our freedom in a way that causes other people to stumble. In 1 Corinthians, Paul actually talks about this. There was this huge discussion about some things that were going on in the church there in Corinth. And Paul finally said, you know what? It's not necessarily against the law. There's not a rule against it. But you are leading by example. These people are following you. And if by your example you cause your brother to sin, then you have fault. You know, that was 1 Corinthians 8, starting with verse 9. They had a problem with food that was sacrificed to idols. There was nothing wrong in itself with eating that food that had been used in the temple for idol worship. But some people had a problem with it. Some people saw it as wrong. And some people had bothered their conscience. Perhaps some of what came out of the worship of idols was disturbed when they learned that Christian people were participating in and buying food sacrificed to idols. Paul tells us that there's nothing sinful about what they were doing, but it becomes a sin when people use that freedom to become a stumbling block to others. If you know that your brother or sister has a problem with what you are doing, and you don't address it or you don't change your behavior when you're around them to the point where they can learn from your example, if you continue to do something you know is going to cause arguments or strife among your brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called to be peacemakers, not strife makers. We're called to love one another, not spew out hatred. So if we continue to do those things that we know cause others to stumble, then that's when that becomes a sin. People have spent countless hours studying and attempting to argue about what we are and are not allowed to do. They reason that it, it's not because they want to know the word, <laughs> but because, you know, we want to find excuses, plausibility, deniability. Well, the Bible doesn't say exactly that. Sometimes we see things as a right 
We deserve this. We're entitled to this. And in that case, when we get that attitude, even our freedom becomes a sin because we're using it inappropriately. What we need to understand is that there are absolutes. God does have a standard of right and wrongs that transcend time, cultural, race, nationality, ethnicity, and even economic status. They were true back in biblical times when the Bible was wrote. They are true today, and they will be true tomorrow. The Bible tells us ourselves that he is the same today as yesterday, our great unchanging friend. And so if he's unchanging, then his standards aren't going to change either. So we are called to hold true to those convictions. Because the moment that we have a conviction, and we allow ourselves to override that conviction, when we put it behind us, that becomes a sin. So we need to be careful. We run the danger of expecting others to follow the rules as we follow the rules. And for some of us, it may look different. Who are we to judge as long as those around us are following biblical principles, though? There's different nationalities who have different cultural norms. There's even different denominations who practice different sacraments. Just because one does or does not practice a particular sacrament. For instance, the Salvation Army doesn't actively practice baptism. It doesn't mean that we think baptism isn't right. We should be governed by biblical principles in all we do. And remember that it is not our place to judge, but to set the example. If you want to show someone how they need to live their life right, then you need to be living your life right. If you want to tell someone that they need to get their act together, then you do it by making sure you have your act together. They'll catch on. It's not necessarily our place to tell them, hey, get yourself together. But it is our place to pray for them, to love them. Jesus even said, who, you, who of you without sin can cast the first stone when they were dealing with a woman who was committed adultery? They were willing to stone her, ready to stone her because of her sin. But when Jesus said, well, whoever's never sinned can cast the first stone, they realized, well, <laughs> that left nobody. 
The only person who could have thrown a stone was who? Jesus, did he? No. So we have to be careful. Set that example. But don't abuse it. Romans 6, 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? When we become a new creation, when we accept Jesus into our hearts, when we become free from sin, we are dead to sin. And if we are dead to it, then how can we continue to live in it? Put it behind us. Move on. It's not permission to sin. Freedom is not permission to judge others and to cause others to stumble. It's a call to try to be like Jesus as we sing during our prayer time. To try to be holy, to live a holy life. Which leads us to our next part. We talked about what it isn't, but just what is that freedom? What does it really mean? What does it imply? What does it entail? First, what we need to understand about this freedom is that regardless of what kind of freedoms we are able to exercise in today's world and society, the reality of the matter is that we have not been set free in Christ. We are not free at all. We are still being held captive by sin. We are still slaves to sin. Our nation has fought to end slavery and injustice, not just in this nation, but in others. And yet the one war that no one seems to want to fight. That has more people bound in slavery than any other slavery known to mankind is sin. It keeps us captive. We need to understand that outside of Christ, there is no true freedom. That verse said, and the truth will set you free. Jesus says he is the way, he is the truth, he is the light. He will set you free. 2 Peter 2, 19 says, They promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. What masters us? What controls us? What is the habitual sin in your life that you struggle with? Because we all sin. 
Is it pride? Is it slander? Is it gossip? Is it lying? Gluttony. And gluttony, we think, oh, gluttony for food. But how many of us in life have ever felt the need for more? More whatever, more this, more that. Not just food. There's a saying about living life to the fullest, living life to the extreme. Not being content with what you have, but constantly wanting more. That's gluttony. Constantly wanting more. What you have isn't good enough. Even though what you have is a blessing from the Lord, it's like telling him what he gives you isn't good enough. And that's why gluttony becomes a sin. The ministry of Jesus consisted of releasing those in captivity and slavery to the things of the world. Even before Jesus was born, in Isaiah, it told of the Messiah and what the Messiah would come to do. In Isaiah. Chapter 61. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Did you guys catch that word, freedom? Freedom to the captives. Release from the darkness, from the prisoners. One of the things we are free of is the burden of having to obey Old Testament, Old Covenant law. When Jesus came, when Jesus died on the cross, that was all part of a new covenant of God with his people. And I've had people ask me, well, if you obey the laws in the New Testament, what about the laws in the Old Testament? If you're going to do what the New Testament says, shouldn't you do what the Old Testament says? When Jesus came, he freed the people. If you read the Old Testament, they were very restricted. Jesus gives us a new set of commandments in the New Testament. Back in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the law was very difficult to keep. In fact, all it did was show those under the law the reality that they were not good enough. And as crazy as it sounds, back then, 
If someone was guilty of breaking one law, they were guilty of breaking the whole law. So aren't we glad today that we've been free from the law? Because even those obeying that law in the Old Covenant, it still didn't grant them freedom or relationship with God. There was still a veil between them and the holies of holies that tore when Christ came. We've been giving a freedom to be in relationship with the Lord. But that doesn't mean we can do whatever we want. Remember? James 2.12 says, Speak and act of those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. The law that gives freedom are the commands that we are given in the New Testament. But one of the most important things that we are free of because I said we're free of sin, is the wages of sin. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is what? Death. No matter what kind of freedom we are out for, what kind of freedom we think we're fighting for, the freedom from death would seem to be a very important one to me. There is a penalty for sin. There's never been a doubt of that. The consequences of sin is death. Not just a physical death, though, but a spiritual death. But the freedom we have in Christ has freed us from that penalty. The penalty in which we earned. We deserve it. But it is a freedom we have been granted. He said in Isaiah, I've come to free the captives, to set the prisoners free. Oftentimes prisoners are people who deserve the punishment they get, right? Because they've done wrong. And we, we sin. We sin every time we fail to show the love of Jesus to people. For me, one of my things is driving. I do not like to drive. And never do I have a harder time remembering to show others and to treat others with the love of Christ than when I'm driving. When I get mouthy about the person who cuts me off, when I start to question their intelligence. However minor I may think that is, the fact that I've lost my temper with them is a sin. When we have a juicy tidbit that we know about somebody and sometimes we just can't keep them to ourselves, can we? We have the hardest time keeping our mouth shut. But when we share it, it's gossip. It's a problem in biblical times to the point where Paul told the women, if you can't stop gossiping at church, don't say anything. Because that's not the place for it. 
You're making people uncomfortable. They don't want to come anymore because you can't stop gossiping about them. And we still have that problem to this day, don't we? People left because they felt uncomfortable. Where if there's any place that you should feel comfortable, it should be in church. Where you should be surrounded by everybody who is able to show you the love of God. And the love of God does not judge you on your wrongdoings when you are coming to worship him. There will be a time when we will be judged. But never is there a time where it goes, you know what? You're not worthy to repent. You're not worthy of love. We are all loved when we are all called to repent from our lifestyle of sin. Whatever sin that may be. I daily ask for forgiveness for the times that I have failed to be Christ to those who needed him. And that's what we're called to do. We owed a debt that we could not pay. And Christ paid a debt that he did not owe. There's a song that we sing that says, Jesus paid it all. And all to him I freely give. The question is, do we? We are free from the bondage of sin. People tend to think that God is up there in heaven sitting out away to make our lives more miserable. He's, n- He's not an eternal killjoy, as someone once said. He's not up in heaven thinking of ways to shackle us and prevent us from experiencing life. He's not a warden, but a deliverer. He's willing and eager for us to have freedom. Sin is very deceiving. It can give us the illusion that we are really free because we can make our own choices. But if the choices we're making cause us to live in a lifestyle of sin, then our freedom has just made us slaves to death all over again. We are free to serve others. to love others, to forgive others, to be merciful, to be generous and compassionate, to make sacrifices and to really live our lives to the fullest. We are free to be what God intended for us to be. Where previously we were slaves to sin. We have become free. And as such, are called to help those to share that freedom with others, to help liberate 
others. So doesn't that idea of freedom sound great? How do we gain it? Our last point. Two things. Knowing Jesus. Knowing the word. Knowing Jesus. Jesus is the truth. John 14 says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We must know Jesus in order for us to have freedom. Not only must we know about Jesus, we must know him. As in be in a relationship with him. not just have knowledge of it in our heads, but to follow it with our hearts. Freedom is gained by submission to Christ and his word. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And the truth is the word. Thy word is truth. Jesus said it. True freedom cannot exist apart from the truth. Now, many of us may have a false sense of truth. But we've already talked about the Bible being the same today. Relevant today. The word of truth is in the Bible and the truth shall set us free. So the question today is, have you been set free? And sometimes the only way to become free is to surrender to the Lord. That sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? Freedom and submission. But it's the truth. We're going to play a song, and as the song plays...
Through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.